Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Today's epistle ends with what is essentially the goal of the Christian life. Quote, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. The day of our Lord Jesus Christ is the day when Jesus shall come again with glory to judge the quick and the dead. We often think of that as coming to judge, so we often approach that with a certain trembling or understand for the judge who's going to unpack all of our problems and, and, and nail us in some way. But the New Testament framework is that Jesus has come to judge the world, that is, those who do not believe in him. He's coming again to save us. And to be saved by faith in Jesus Christ is precisely to be saved from the judgment that is coming on the world. And this means, in some sense, we will stand before him blameless. This concept of blamelessness is illustrated in our gospel where Jesus is attacked. There's three groups of people who come to Matthew's gospel to attack him. This is the last group we get today. And after all of these attempts to get Jesus to say something wrong or to find something he's done wrong, Jesus stands there and no one's able to say it. He is blameless in the face of his accusers. In the cosmic scene, the devil is the prosecuting attorney, taking the place of all these people who are sort of attacking Jesus. And he accuses us. The devil is called the tempter and accuser. He tempts us to sin and he accuses us from the you. Jesus is the one who justifies us through our faith in him. And so through our faith in Christ, we're able to stand blameless before those who accuse us. This is incidentally the central theme of Job, which we're reading to the evening prayer right now. Job is accused by Satan. And he perseveres in his trust in God. And in the end, God declares him to be righteous. We cannot be blameless in the sense that we never commit sin. Rather, we are blameless because our sins are forgiven through the cross and resurrection of our Lord. Maintaining this blamelessness is the central work of the Christian life, the life of prayer. Blamelessness is not a static or fixed condition. Because we encounter temptation each day, sometimes we resist, sometimes we fall, and so we must come back and renew this state of union with God through the life of prayer. This work of blamelessness involves
this is often the barrier in many people's life to experiencing forgiveness. They know cognitively that their sins are forgiven because Jesus died for them. But they haven't gone through the work of self-examination and repentance to acknowledge the things they've done wrong, to make a good confession, and to actualize that grace of forgiveness. So the first thing we do to maintain our blamelessness is practice confession. A second thing we do to maintain our blamelessness is to reconcile with others. Forgiveness restores us to a relationship with God and to others. And so to maintain our blamelessness, we must be willing to forgive those who have wronged us, and we must do the work of going to ask forgiveness of those who have wronged. So as to restore relationships. Sometimes this is impossible in certain circumstances. But as much as lies within us, we need to go forth and do that. And the third thing about being blameless is a positive. It's doing the good works that God has prepared for us to walk in. We have a vocation. God has created us as gifted people to do things in his first original creation, now in his new creation. And this is the most important of the three things that we must be making our blamelessness. In fact, the work of confessing our sins and being reconciled with others is merely to reestablish our relationship with God and others so that we can begin to really live. And to really live means to do positive good. This is why the gospel Jesus says that the law is summarized in two commandments. To love God and love our neighbor. And the whole work of confession and reconciliation enables us to begin to do that in a positive way. We must emphasize, we must make sure in Christian life we don't live a negative life. Oh, we try not to sin. That won't work. Confession must give way to a positive life of good, of devotion to the worship of God and devotion to the love of others using the gifts that God has given us. And our invitation each week summarizes these three points. It tells us what we must do to reestablish or to maintain this union with God. Ye who truly and earnestly repent you of your sins and in love and charity with your neighbors and intend to lead a new life, draw near your faith. And as we approach the altar each week, sincerely addressing these things, we maintain our state of blamelessness. The collect today highlights sources of temptation in Christian life that threaten our blamelessness, our status the, these three sources are the world, the flesh, and the devil. We call these, in, in the language of theology, the enemies of the soul. And we renounce these in baptism. You were asked in baptism where your sponsors were asked, and now we ask you to state the question in confirmation. Do you renounce the death of all his works? The vain, calm, and glory of the world, all covetous desire of the same. 
and the sinful desires of the flesh so that you will not follow or be led by it. These, we should understand what these are. The world is external to us. It's the world of wealth and status and importance that draws us away from God into self-seeking. The flesh is our internal fallenness that, that causes our desires to be misdirected away from God and towards these things that the world offers to us. And the devil is a spiritual power that, that draws us away from God. And one way to look at it is kind of a sort of a encourager and cheerleader for the flesh and the world. The disciplines of the spiritual life work, help us to work against these temptations, help us to resist them. And there are three foundational disciplines. There is fasting, there is almsgiving, and there is prayer. And each of these matches up with, or is the primary way we resist one of these enemies of the soul. We resist the world, the lure of external things, primarily by tithing and by generosity. By giving the first part to God, we say, this all belongs to you. And then by living with an open hand, that temptation to grasp, to acquisitiveness. This helps us to be detached from the world and focused on, on, on commitment to God. Fasting helps us to overcome the sinful desires of the flesh. We have disordered appetites. The main way we combat them is to practice abstaining from things. Even when the thing we abstain from can be a good thing, we discipline our appetites so that we are not drawn to excess or so we're not captive to the thing. And prayer is the supernatural power that enables us to withstand the temptations of the evil. And the primary thing the devil wants us to do in life is to give up. He wants us to be so overcome by the spiritual battle overcome by worldly temptation and internal trauma that we fall in despair and say there's no hope for me. So as we persevere in prayer, we find the internal resources to resist that temptation. We will lose our blamelessness unless we fight the good fight to maintain it. This is why we talk so much about this thing called life of prayer. The life of prayer is the Christian life. The, the disciplines, the framework of, of, of the spiritual life is the way we live in Christ. And without it, we will become distracted and tempted and we will fall away. And the only way to return is to resume our commitment to live the life of prayer. As Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Blamelessness also means in the bigger picture of life fighting the right battle. Faithfulness must be more important to us than results. 
We aim to accomplish things in life in this world, good things God calls us to do. But if the choice is between getting something we want in the world and being faithful, we must choose faithfulness. This is the nature of tests. This life is the wilderness in which God is testing us. And the question is, will we, through the resources of prayer, resist the temptation of place before us and continue on the path of faithfulness? The reward, the reward that is before us is resurrection and life in the world to come. Jesus, for his faithfulness, endured the cross faithfully, and he rose. He's now king of kings, the Lord of lords. God promises us the fulfillment of our inmost desires. But we must endure through our season of testing. We must persevere in faith to hold on to and attain to that reward. We anticipate our final encounter with Christ every Sunday when we celebrate the Eucharist. The Eucharist on the Lord's Day anticipates day of the Lord. We gather here, or we should say Christ gathers us here around the altar in a way that anticipates the way he will gather us to himself in the day of the Lord at the end of time. And all the elements of the future event are present here. We come and meet Christ where we encounter the changes bodies are made clean and our souls are washed. We enter into union and communion with God. We stand blameless before Him. Our goal in life to leave the altar is to maintain the state of union and blamelessness to our daily life. To confess our sins each day so that little misdeeds don't turn into in the light in, in Christ. And our goal is this. 